My name is Angela. My name is Nicole. And welcome to the Oministitch Podcast. Hello, Stitchers. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Omnistitch Podcast. Amazing. Amazing. We were just chatting. This is episode 47. Holy cow. <laughs> We've done it. Look I at us know. go. We're like just a few shy of a year. Yay. Yay. Yeah, 50th will be exciting. <gasps> we'll make it really exciting. It'll be, yeah. Yeah, we'll make it yeah. exciting. I don't know what we'll do. I, but I already think I do exciting. know. Oh, yeah. you do? Okay. Yeah. So Nicole knows. Nicole knows. <laughs> I'm planning ahead. <laughs> She's the planner. I am not. <laughs> I fly by the seat of my pants. I'm like, what is today? That's literally how I wake up every morning. I'm like, what is today? <laughs> is it a school day? Do I need to get up? What do I need to do? Can what I sleep in? Is it? <laughs> I love it. But that's why we balance each other out. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm always like, I go with the flow. And Nicole's like, this is the plan. I'm like, awesome. I have to write things down all the time. See, that's good. I should (laughs) write. That's good. I should write things down. And I do sometimes. And then inevitably, I will lose the list. Or it's just not organized in a way that makes sense to me. I can't. I don't know why I don't have the organizational skills. That's okay. I don't. But you get things done still, right? And I admire people that have that ability. It makes me sad sometimes when I have Don't to like sad. when I have to to write everything down and then or if I have like a big busy schedule I'm like <gasps> I get like really you panic mode pa- yeah see I, I, it's hard I do me. too and that's why I have to write things down and or that kind of calms me down I make lists. Oh, I know see. and I just make things and I'm like okay I gotta check these off if I don't check them off then I get like that's when I panic so oh see I see I wish that I was like that <laughs> I'm kind of the opposite but if I don't get everything done in a day then I'm like oh, I didn't get all this stuff done then I wind inevitably I'm in a mad dash at the end of the day trying to get everything done that I forgot that I was supposed to do that day because I didn't write it down. No. <laughs> but you know what? Even as as I write things down, uh-huh. I'll make a whole grocery list. I'll take the kids. I'm looking at everything and I still miss things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Always. I, I write it down and I wrote it down. I'm, I'm like, why did I miss that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hate that so much. So, you know, it doesn't always help. But, yeah. you know, as long as you're not stressed, you got to, um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it'll get done eventually. Okay. It, I, I there's always it. tomorrow. <laughs> That's a good attitude. So, Nicole, what has you in stitches? Hey, it was my birthday. It was. Yay. Happy birthday. Happy but, birthday to you. Happy birthday. But I, I missed by, by this you. Po- I know I missed you, too. But at this point, as this episode is released... What, it'd be it like was a, couple, a couple, weeks couple weeks back. Ago. So, yeah, yeah, a couple weeks back. But yeah, but yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. My husband was so sweet. He really tried hard to make everything good, even though in his state of you know physical. Yeah, well, I mean, incapacity. he is so incredibly appreciative for how well you handled all of that yeah. and how much you took care of him. And yeah, it's really funny because when I talked to him last, he was like, "I have no idea he what doesn't. it was like because he, you know." He blacked was out. blacked out and he yeah. had no idea. He would just wake up and be in an ambulance. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's so sweet. So, um, yeah, he's like, I don't I don't know what to get you. You're hard to shop for, even though I have lists everywhere. I know like, you're not hard to shop for. Seriously. If you go, Nicole, what do you want? She's like, here's my Amazon wish list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ta-da! like, 
I appreciate that so much because I'm terrible at giving gifts. Nicole is the queen of giving gifts. I love giving gifts. Yes, it's your love language. You're it so is good my at love it. language. Yeah. I always, every time she brings me something, I remember it was around my birthday. I'd forgotten that it was my birthday. This what? was years ago. <laughs> well, it was years ago, and I wasn't even thinking that my birthday was coming up because if it's not that day, I don't Again, realize that it's there. That's your that's your that's your spontaneity. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be that day. And I'm okay. like, oh, it's my birthday. Ha ha. So. <laughs> It was coming up to my birthday. I wasn't going to see you on my birthday. And you handed me a gift. And I looked at you and I was like, why? <laughs> and I was like, why am I mad that she handed me a You're present? Nobody. It's because I didn't have a gift for you. And you're like, it's your birthday? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> you're so cute. Oh, man. But yeah, it was but your yeah, birthday. But it was my birthday. And so, yeah, he ended up taking me because I, I was really curious. I uh, My student assistant at my work said, there's this place in Burbank that's called Round One. And it's like Dave and Buster's, but a little more Asian flair because there's a lot of Asian games like Dance Dance Revolution. There's like these crazy high tech games. But the claw machines, which is my favorite oh, thing. Oh, yeah, claw machines. They're like... I think a hundred claw machines. I can't count. Oh, yeah. so cool. Rows and rows. But um, so I had to try everything and it was so much fun. But just know these claw machines are pretty hard because most of them are like they're heavy. Like the, uh-huh. the things you got to yeah. pick up and the claws aren't. The claws can't grab heavy no. things. No. But there's ones that we won where you have to like you have to maneuver a stick and you got to push something down into a hole. Like it was tough. Oh. Like a keychain. And I got it on the first try. I don't know <gasps> how. Yeah. So I won a pig. Beginner and it was select. so cool. Yeah. yeah. And thing. then Matt was like you had to um, pick up ping pong balls and then put them into like this little uh, cupcake tray mm-hmm. and you got to land in the yellow oh cupcake. My goodness. Yeah. So if you don't have a bunch of in there, it gets really hard. You got to put a lot of money in, but there's a lot of those things. He won that one. And then there's little tiny ones. Oh Aww. my gosh. It was so fun. But the boys are so excited. We ran around. Matt had to go into the car like because <laughs> <to laughs> he's like, I can't stand much longer. I was like, that's fun. Oh, hi, Siri. <laughs> Siri is talking to me. But yeah, so it was so much fun. And then it was so cute because it's part of the mall. And we had lunch, and he's like, okay, do you want to go here? Do you want to leave? And I was like, well, I kind of want to play some more. So, like, let's eat here. I'm like, yeah. Yay. So they had um, a Mongolian grill. <gasps> Yum. Yes, I love Mongolian barbecue. So much. I love it so much. It reminds me of home. We used to go there all the time. So I got Mongolian grill. The kids got pizza, and he got panda. It was like everybody was happy. <laughs> Yay, everybody. That's like a perfect birthday, especially for a mom, yeah. when your kids are not complaining, but yes. they're having fun. Yes. And you get to just, like, relax and yeah. enjoy and have fun i had and so much fun yeah. oh yeah god. it was really good i know i'm and it's, so glad I'm well you deserve kid. it no it's good <laughs> you deserve to have so much fun like that yeah yeah so it's everyone happy yeah that's the best happy. gift when everyone's happy nobody's complaining yes. you don't have to solve any kid problems exactly <laughs> the kids were super happy so yeah Yay. and we we had um my cake was from costco <laughs> Yeah, those are good cakes. They're so good. But we got a pie for Matt because of dairy problems, right? So he had a pie, which was really good, too. It was like a four-berry pie. Ooh. Um, So it was a really good birthday day, and my husband's still, like, telling me happy birthday. Oh, yay. Yeah. So it's awesome. Yay. Good. I'm so glad you felt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you felt so celebrated because you deserve it. You're so sweet. You're so sweet. Yay. Yay. Come by, y'all. All right. What's got you in stitches? So my son, I'm such the proud mama. So my son, this is his first uh, spring playing Little League. He's 10. And his team 
Yay! Yay! They're the champions. That's we so cool. are the champions. I totally heard him yelling that or oh, yell screaming singing? that. Oh. Yeah. When when they won. So it was a tough season. They had a big mid-season slump but Mm -hmm. when they went into the playoffs they were seated in the middle and they they won all of their games that's so cool some of them were nail biters so the the playoff game before the final game so I guess semifinals semifinals semifinal round they were playing the number one seated team now in little league in the level that my son plays at the time limit for games is two hours two hours That's and done. That's right. You were telling me that. Right. Two hours and done. So we That's got so nice. to the two hour time limit and they were tied. Mm. They were tied. There's so much that goes into this game, but I, I, it'll take the entire podcast. So I'm going to try <laughs> to be very succinct. Okay. So at the two hour time limit, they were tied. So we had to go into the sixth inning, which we've never gone into a sixth inning before. But the rule for sixth inning is that it's not a force out. So it's either five runs to end that uh, side of the inning or uh-huh. three outs, right? Okay. And yeah. then you sw- switch teams for the for the rest of the inning. So in the sixth inning, it's three outs, just like regular baseball. It's not five runs, it's three outs. Mm-hmm. So that team scored five runs. Oh, gosh. We had, we had two outs on them, but they scored five no. runs. And we were like, oh, okay, the inning's over. And they're like, no, 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 we keep going. And we're like, <gasps> no. But we got the next out really quick on the next. Okay, so okay. they scored five yeah, runs yeah, yeah. and that was it. We so already know we, what happens, but so I'm we all had like nail score, biting here now. I know. <laughs> we had to score six runs to win. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, we can do it. We can do it. So we got five runs. We had a runner on third to come in to score the, the final run. And we're mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, we're going to win. We're going to win. And we're excited. And then three outs. <laughs> <laughs> So we were still tied and had to go into the seventh inning. Wow. And then we got them out three outs really quickly. Good. Done. And then, so they didn't score any runs. Uh-huh. And so we were like, okay, we just need, you just need one, one. Run, yeah. one run to win. Or maybe they did score one. They did score oh, one oh, run. Never mind. Whatever. Never mind. They scored one. <laughs> now you need two. I know. It's you need been two. like days. So we need two runs. Okay. We can do this. We can do this. And they start with a runner on second in the seventh inning just to get the game going. Okay. And so we, that runner came home. Okay. So we scored one. We're back tied again. And I think we had one out, maybe two outs at this time. Maybe. I don't know. But it was like close. And we're like, oh, my gosh. Holy cow. And we're coming up on three hours. Holy they had to. Cow. This was like the day that they were doing closing ceremonies. So they had to hold closing ceremonies so that we could finish our Even game. longer like yeah. stuff after. Oh, my. Is at, it dark at this point? No, no, no. This okay. is in the morning. Oh, good, So good, good, it was okay. like, Phew. I think the game started at 830 in the morning. And oh, so gosh. it's like almost 1130. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like trying to wrap up this game at this point the entire little league because they were all there for closing ceremonies all of the teams were there watching this game because oh, it was even such a nail biter oh so gosh. we had so many people watching this game yeah. and this is the semi-final game and we're like oh my gosh but it was magic like you could feel it in the air Aww. everybody was so into it and so intense and everybody was cheering and it was so exciting and then we got the the last run because we were the home team so yeah. we were the last team at bat we yeah, scored yeah, yeah. we scored the final run ooh, ooh. the score was 17 to 16 
what a score right <laughs> and then so, so and that many. was the semifinals the final game was was played um a few days later so we got to have a couple days rest okay. so okay. the other team didn't because they had to back to back play huh? a, a, it's a double elimination so they had to play oh another team yeah to come play us and we uh it did wind up tie we were in a tie by the end of the the finals game again the final game so we went into the sixth inning and like all the moms we kind of looked at each other and we're like next time this we need to like bring a bottle and then we'll just sneak (laughs) off to the porter potties because we can't handle this stress it was so funny i love it laughing but our boys did pull it out we 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 scored the final run we were the home team again so you know we scored a run i think that score was Nine to eight. I oh think is my what the gosh. Final score. That's better than 17 to 16. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but we won. We won the Yay! championship. I screamed my head off. So I'm surprised I have a voice today. Oh, and yeah. my son, you know, he got a little championship ring. Oh, we get pictures. A ring. Oh. He hit a double in that game. Wow. That was his first double. Good and I was just him. like, oh. <gasps> and I have it on video. And if you yes. guys have seen my facebook i I think i may have put it on instagram i think i just did their their championship on instagram i saw a picture picture on instagram but on facebook i posted the video of my son getting his double and you can hear me screaming my head off and it makes me laugh so hard because i'm like am i really that mom that's just yelling so much yes and it's okay to do yes i am that mom you can be that mom don't worry about it but it's ex- it was so fun, and That's we had exciting. to tell him we're like, buddy, this is your first season. Yeah, not all seasons are going to be like this, where you win the championship. Yes, and it's like <laughs> this is the, the this first. Is very That's special. so cool. But uh, he and his team, they're really bonded, and oh, they're so excited. Fun. So now we have a tournament of champions that we're playing in yeah. two weeks. Yeah, that's exciting. And our coach is so into it. So all these teams are coming to our field. So that's nice. We don't have to travel to a different town mm, yes. in California because these are oh, it's from so all nice. over California. Teams, wow. Little League teams from all over California are coming to play in the tournament. I wonder, is it because there's more space out here for that? Or? Uh, I think because or one rotates? of our teams, th- it rotates around. Okay. And one of our teams one last year so I that might be why oh, I don't know that makes sense okay but um anyway so they're they're all coming here mm-hmm. I don't know who we're playing but we were made aware that these teams might be playing at a higher level than what we're playing at so we'll see but our coach is really intense we're having daily practices that are two hours oh. or they can be three if you want to come Brutal. early and so we our yesterday was our first practice because we had one day off from the championship game we gave, get one little get break one day off and then yesterday Back was our work. first practice yes good and i was surprised at how many kids were there the hour early no oh. we, we came not quite the full hour early we got there about a half hour the extra hour yeah for the extra hour the pre-practice practice <laughs> and like half the team was already there That's i'm like oh everyone, everyone is so yeah, excited we're ready Aww. yeah well so good luck team thank you That's so exciting thank you go A's yay, yay. so even though the a's aren't in california anymore oh. but. <laughs> 
Wait, they're Oakland, in Vegas. Right? Oh. No, they're moving they're to Vegas. They're moving. Yeah. That's right. We were watching a game because they're playing the Mariners, and there was nobody in the stands because yeah. they're moving. So they're moving. that makes sense. Yeah, they left. <laughs> but anyway, I still have a little special place in my heart for the A's. Yay! <laughs> well, good luck. <laughs> and good luck you. to you, Mama. Oh, my gosh. All that fun work. I'm going to be a wreck. Yeah. But it'll be, it'll be fun. He's, it, it, I'm sure he's going to have so much fun, too. Yes. Good. He, that's that's the rule i'm like as long as you're having fun playing yeah. with your boys like yeah. enjoy it the longer the more you win the longer you get to play with this team true because next year they jumble the teams they don't oh, stay together no, at this i didn't level. know that Aww. yeah at this level because they're not a travel team so sure. they they jumble up the boys i get it that makes yeah. sense yeah, but anyway, okay. I'm such well, a luck. proud mama. Yay, good job. Our first championship. Woo-hoo. It's exciting. That is so exciting. <laughs> yeah, you guys are going to be great. You have to keep us updated. I will. Yeah. Watch my little Facebook and you'll see me scream my head off and <laughs> cheer for my son. I'm Yay. so proud. Oh, go, go, go. Yeah, it's it's so fun. It's so magical. And I never thought that I was going to be one of the, I never thought I would be a baseball mom. Baseball runs deep in my family. I have a lot of there's a lot of baseball history. My uncle was a professional player. My cousin was too. And, um, you know, I grew up going to big games and watching my uncle play or going to see my cousin play or my brother played, you know, and I did not like baseball. I was not a fan of it. It was too slow. I was little, you know, it was too slow. Uh, Baseball's slow. It's boring. You're sitting there forever and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, you know, when it's your kid, it's totally different. So now I'm like, I love baseball. (laughs) That's funny. I I played in high school, so I had I have fond memories of it. But yeah, watching it, I totally get it. It's such a like boring sport. Yeah. <laughs> but my husband's getting into. He, he loves watching the Mariners now, so um, we're we're doing that now. But that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good background Yay. sport. So, but good luck. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be exciting. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> Should we dive into this week's episode? We got to get stitching first. Oh, I know. I know. We're going to get stitching, (laughs) but I I just want to catch everybody up. We are still doing our 28 Days Haunted. 28 Days Haunted. And I posted that on Instagram just so hopefully you started it if you didn't. But yeah, um, it's it's exciting. I mean, if you want to try to watch it all at once. Yeah, it's fun. You can you can watch it all at once. It's great to stitch. It's three hours, right? It's yes, it is three hours. It is six half hour episodes or Three hours. Hashtag because math. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay. But so we're going to get stitching with Nicole because it's still on the flippity flop. Flippity I'm still flop? doing story time like and Nicole's doing stitches. Yeah. No, it's going to be quick. Yeah. But you ready to get stitching? Yeah. Let's get stitching. All right. So, you know me, the Amagurumi queen. That's my my nickname now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amagurumi queen. Amagurumi. So, I made another I made a few of these actually in my lifetime now. I have one. Yeah, you do. Yes, it's sitting right over there. I can That's see right. it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, the recent one I did was for um, a student assistant that just graduated Yay. and he was so excited. He's like, "You need to open a shop." I'm like, "I know. I know. I will one day. Coming soon." Yes. The ominous stitch shop shop we will start selling our amigurumi at and some point hats, hats and, and everything scarves and whatever yeah, i make yeah whatever we make so we'll we'll get there eventually just you know we're moms and we're busy moms <laughs> and working moms and yeah. you know but yeah so this one i actually found on youtube 
and it's from Ami Saigon at Ami Saigon, and it's free. Yay, free. Yay, free patterns. We love a free pattern. We do, and she split these two up. They're, it's a cat, so it's a cute Amigurumi cat, and it's called Amigurumi Peach and Goma Crochet Pattern. I don't know why she says Valentine's Day gifts, but I guess you can do it for Valentine's Day. Sure. <laughs> sure, if, sure. If you have a cat lover in your life. Yeah. If you have a cat lover. Yeah. But yeah, so she splits it up in two videos and uh, she gives all the pattern kind of info as she goes along like we usually do, which yeah. we'll, we'll get back to that eventually. Yeah, too. <laughs> I know. We have wah, a bunch wah. of videos in the bank. We just haven't finished the recordings yeah. for those. So we will get those. We'll get you. there. We promise. We'll yes. start it again. But this kitty's cute. And so it's it's a really, really cute Amigurumi kitty. Uh, caution when she makes the body the body is really fat and short so sometimes I take a little bit of incentive of my own and I either lengthen it or I add more so yeah yeah this kitty that I just recently made I kind of stretched out the body a little and then it's I added so cute yeah and I added and a, a little, little heart, heart and I made the eyes a lot bigger and it's got an uwu face yes uwu <laughs> those of you in the know uwu <laughs> My my little. kids love uwu faces yes. all the time. It's like the mouth looks like a little W and then the two eyes make the O. Yeah, so it's that's right. Ooh. Yeah, that's right. It's very anime, they, yes. they say. But yeah, um, you know, it's funny. Just a side note. I struggled. I told Angela this a while ago. I struggled doing those ears but because you have so to cute. color change. No, oh. but when I oh, first yeah, yeah. started, remember? I yeah, had, the I had color change in the ears. Yeah, I was like, why can't I do this pattern? And I finally figured it out. Yeah, I know. I was so happy. I was like, I got this. So in this, my kitty I made, and I'll post a picture. Um, I used a gray uh, yarn, and then I used kind of a dark gray black yarn for the ears. And I think it's really cute. It's super cute. Yeah, it's easy. So I'll post the I'll post the YouTube videos on our or the links on our website, and I'll post the picture. If you want to make your cute little uwu kitty, uwu kitty, and I'll post the pictures on the socials. But um, check it out. This is a short stitch time just because you guys can follow the patterns at home if you want so but yeah always contact me if you have questions you can email us at the ominous stitch at gmail.com <laughs> thanks angela she's really you're welcome that. i'm always here for that one perfect all right so i think we're done <gasps> is it time for story time oh, totally yay story time, story time. Hey guys, so we're continuing with our 28 days haunted theme and we are going to do the Lumber Baron Inn in Ooh, Denver, Colorado. Denver. Yes. Okay. That was yes. a fun one. Okay. Yes. Okay. So this one's really fun because it has true crime mm. with it, right? So we're going to kind of do a little true crime with our paranormal. I love pairing those. I know. It's it's fun. Yeah, cuz true crime's pretty morbid in its own you yeah. know, sense but then when you put the paranormal thing it just gets more exciting and here's the cool thing is that so these murders are unsolved and we'll get into it in a minute you know because I'm <laughs> going to do the history and all that good stuff so mm -hmm. you know about the lumber baron and but uh, in a lot of the paranormal, when they go do the research at the Lumber Baron Inn, they get a lot of feedback from these two entities that are keep trying to solve the murder. Right. So they keep giving names, but they'll give names of all of the suspects. 
So mm-hmm. it's kind of like mm, it's kind of like the yeah, the Velisca the Velisca asks That's murders, right. but consistently now they're getting names. So they might be somewhat close to solving it, but you know it's still technically an unsolved technically. case. Technically, okay, yes, because they don't have core evidence. Mm, got it. Got to, it. to bind it, but we'll get there in a second. Yeah. Before we get there, let's yes. dive into the history of Yay. the Lumber Baron Inn. Okay. The mansion was built in 1890 by John, and I don't think I'm going to say his name right. Oh, no. Muat? Sure. Sure. M O U A T. Okay. Mue? Mowel? Mue? I don't know. He's a Scottish immigrant. Oh, so that's I was why I don't way know off. how you would say it because it sounds French. I thought French, to me, yeah. Right? Yeah. So okay. that's why I'm like, I don't know how he says it because in French any it would Scottish be Mouet. Scottish listeners, let us know. M O U A T. How do you pronounce that? What? What? I don't know. But he's a Scottish immigrant who had amassed a fortune in lumber, hence Lumber Baron, right? Makes sense. Between 1889 and 1892, the Moat Lumber Company built over 200 buildings in Denver, helping to transfer the town from a mining camp to the glittering city that it would become. Interesting. Built along Cherry Creek, overlooking the rowdy mining camp below, Muat built the best building for himself, his wife Amelia, and five children. That wasn't as the, many as usually. <laughs> yeah. Back then, right? <laughs> well, I, I know still a lot. it's still a lot still to a me. Lot. It's still a lot. Yeah. Showcasing his finest wares in the eight thousand five hundred square foot mansion. So big, right? That is huge. It's huge. Each room features a different type of wood, varying from oak to cherry to sycamore, maple, and more. With an eye for detail, every fireplace mantle included distinct carvings and fine details. Wood in the dining room included numerous carved rosettes representing the varied species of trees used in the guest rooms, each of which had its own private bath and phone. So very fancy. The third floor, which the Muats utilized to host lavish parties, that's the ballroom, Mm -hmm. featured a 20-foot pyramid ceiling and a shining maple floor. It was the largest and grandest house in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Nestled in the historic neighborhood of the Potter Highlands, which was created and settled by the Scottish in 1863, the mansion has been beautifully restored to its original floor plan. The spacious third floor ballroom gives access to the top of the turret with great views of downtown Denver and the surrounding Potter Highland neighborhood. In the 1890s, the ballroom originally hosted teas, dances, and social functions for the elite of Denver through the 1890s, continuing on into the early 1900s. As of 1915, the Muats still lived... (laughs) I say it different every time. That's okay. I say it so many times. As of 1915, the Muats still lived in the family mansion. John Muat died in San Diego, California, so at some point the Muat family moved out. Uh Perhaps the cold Denver winters had gotten to be too much, and John and his wife decided to retire to sunny California. What I find interesting is I'm thinking back to, it was about a year ago when we went to San Diego and we did our our little montation in San Diego. And one of the tours we went on, we went around through downtown San Diego. Okay, yeah. And 
you know, we, we went through all like the history and such a fun little old town, but it was about this time when all those buildings were built. Oh, right. That makes sense. Okay. So it, it makes sense that if he's a lumber baron, mm-hmm. he would be going to San Diego to start building mm-hmm. up on that coast because they were moving to the new town, San Diego, mm-hmm. and away from old town, San Diego. Yep, that's right. Right? It fits the time frame. So okay. it makes sense that if he's a lumber baron, he's going to oh try oh. to go out there. You ready? Yes. Mow it. Mow it. Okay. Mow it. <laughs> we have a final ruling on how to say it. Well, howtopronounce.com told us mow it. <laughs> Thank you, howtopronounce.com. <laughs> mow it. Mow it. Okay. With all the children up and out with families and homes of their own. Oh, sorry. The, sorry. the kids had already moved out at this point. So okay. that's why John and his wife retired to sunny California. That makes a lot of sense. The Mowat family sold their mansion to Hiram Fowler and his family who lived there while the location was still a well-to-do neighborhood. I'd, I'd live in Denver. Right? Yeah. Hiram Fowler had made his money from his mining business and was known for his kindness to the neighborhood children. That, it sounds sweet, but also could be creepy, right? <laughs> if you think that way, sure. Come here, little hey. kitties. Let me give you some I got, candy. I got some candy for you. <laughs> I love how, like, when I read that sentence, Nicole and I both had the same thought. We looked at each other. We're like, mm. <laughs> sounds a little creepy. The ballroom was used. <laughs> here we go. It's going to get more creepy. Oh, yay. The ballroom was used every day as a children's playroom. What? And children loved to play with the Fowler's daughter's oh. lovely doll playhouse. Oh. Well, okay. So they had they kids. Had, okay. They had okay. toys there. That makes much Ooh. more sense. I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, little children. Oh, my goodness. Play in my ballroom. Oh, <laughs> our brains, man. Okay. <laughs> Other children enjoyed flying a little plane around the space. The Fowler family was attached to this mansion and wanted to find a way to keep it, though they probably should have sold it when the mansion's neighborhood was still considered a good one. Various members of the Fowler family owned the mansion up until 1990. Wow. Right? So that's... over a hundred years, hopefully, like two hundred math in my head. Math. close to two hundred years. That's a long time. That is a very long time. But stopped living in it at some point. Instead, they tried to turn it into a commercial property, oh. raising income to support the mansion okay. with its growing list of things needed to be fixed. Sometime in its history, the mansion became a business school for a while. Mm. Then a very popular commercial effort was put into play, providing housing for the public. Wow. So apartment buildings? Yes. It was turned into an apartment building. Unfortunately, like many grand mansions, the John Moet... Moet Hiram Fowler mansion wound up being divided into 13 apartments. Wow. I also 13. read 13, but I also read 23. Whoa. So I don't know this what the real place. number is. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's 8,500 yeah, square feet. Sense. So it's okay. big. Bringing in a lot more people to live there, which sped up the wear and tear on this oh, lovely building. Sure. The mansion served as an apartment building, perhaps starting sometime in the 50s, if mm. not earlier or perhaps later. <laughs> not sure. <laughs> well, sometime in there. Sometime around there. Yeah. As the decades progressed, the neighborhood changed and this grand old dame slipped into serious disrepair. Oh, it's Queen Anne style. Yeah. By the way. That makes yeah. sense. 
As a poor population moved into the fixer upper opportunity homes and buildings. In the 60s, 70s, and 80s, a variety of people lived here. Some not so careful and some not so nice, resulting in some consequences that had some lasting effects. Mm -hmm. The Fowler family became stuck with the mansion, not able to sell it at a reasonable price because of the ghetto status of their neighborhood. Plus, using the mansion as an apartment complex wasn't profitable because they were not making much in rental income. They were also lax in putting in security measures that were badly needed for the safety of their tenants. I've read that people were paying as little as like $48 a month to live there. Holy smokes. Yeah. What? Why couldn't they raise a rent? I, they should have. Maybe there just wasn't enough demand to live in that area. And that's because all that. Because the neighborhood wasn't Because very the neighborhood good. wasn't very good. Man, yeah. it's sad. It is sad. It is sad. By 1970, the renters were paying only $96 a month to rent a small room. The mansion suffered further decline. By the late 80s, the John Moat. <laughs> Did I say it right? Moat. Moat. The John Moat Fowler family mansion qualified as being a real fixer-upper no. opportunity with some severe issues, making it unacceptable for human habitation. Oh, poor building. Not surprisingly, it was condemned oh, no. in 1990 when the redevelopment movement was in full swing in Denver. Luckily, a very young Walter and Julie Keller fell in love with the mansion and rescued it from its date with the wrecking ball, probably to the relief of the Fowler and Moet family descendants. Wow. The Kellers paid $80,000 for a huge mansion. For this mansion. Wow. $80,000. That's crazy. The Kellers lovingly and painstakingly put the house back together as a single family home and restored it within a three year period, investing a boatload of money, time, perseverance, and skill. They converted the basement apartments into one large apartment and chose to live there themselves, having faith that the neighborhood was changing for the better, which it did. After stabilizing and restoring the mansion, the Keller's, filled the common areas with antique furniture and added antique beds, bathtubs, showers, and dressers to the various guest rooms. They replanted the gardens in the front and back and added statues and fountains and decor of the 1890 era outside as well because a hundred plus year old home always needs a hearty upkeep budget. The Kellers put their mansion to work to bolster this important fund. Mm -hmm. The Kellers started their bed and breakfast business. So it's a bed and breakfast. You can go stay there. We can stay there. Yes, we can. So the bed and breakfast is called the Lumber Baron Inn and Gardens. They also made good use of their indoor outdoor space by starting a wedding venue and event business as well. Cool. Yeah. The Kellers Kellers also started a stage theater in their glorious maple-floored ballroom that was well-supported by the Denver community. The Kellers found that they loved producing plays as well as acting in them. That's cool. (laughs) More than running a bed and breakfast and other people's special events. Interesting. By April of 2008, the Kellers had burned out on the bed and breakfast and special events business and wanted to buy a bigger place for their theater group. As of July 2015, their beloved Lumber Baron Inn and Gardens was still for sale for two 
1.3 million dollars. Wow, that's a big jump from right? what they bought it for. <laughs> Holy cow. While they have stopped serving breakfast, you can still stay there. So it's still for sale? I don't know if it's still for sale. Huh. I don't think it is. It didn't it look is. like it. Yeah, I don't think it is. So, But I believe it is a bed and breakfast still. So this is, this is from <laughs> this is from the Lumber Baron Inn website. Okay. Okay. Behind the mansion is our amazing spacious garden. They're just bragging about what it looks like. Is an oasis in the city, mm. shaded by enormous narrow leafed cottonwood trees and filled with a variety of flowers and fountains. The garden is amazing. Explore the book. So there is a book written about the Lumber Baron Inn oh. that enca- encapsulates the Lumber Baron Inn experience. Beloved Denver author Phil. Godstein's work, The Lumber Baron Inn, Denver's Mystery Mansion, is a realistically chilling account of the mansion and its deeply rooted history in Denver. Fun. Yes. And then you can, there's a website that you can go to 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 get, yeah, to read it. Not only does it cater to the new traveling public, but it is also said to host some lingering spirits who refuse to move on. So there is a book written about the ghosts which I like to mention at this point because we know where mm. this is going when we get skeptic into the 28 pants. days later. Yeah. Skeptic pants. So we can put our skeptic pants on. It's a well-known mansion. It's been Wouldn't around. they want to do it? I mean, I'm sure they're going to make way more money now after this 28 days haunted has come out. But I mean, wouldn't yeah, you Yeah, I don't know if the Kellers it? sold it, but it is still a bed and breakfast. Yeah, but, but wouldn't you advertise it as a haunted bed and breakfast at this point and make way more money? Because yeah. you see how much money people charge now for staying the night at haunted at places. At haunted places, yes. Yeah. Yes. And this, this particular haunt, I think, is really fascinating. And why it draws a lot of people is because it also draws the people that love true crime. Right. So you can get... Right. Because there is a murder yes. that needs to be solved that is associated with that. So... They can make so much more money now. If they aren't. I'm sure they are now. Yes. Yes. Speaking of the murder mystery. Mm. So let's dive into that a little yeah, bit here. Please. Because this is where the most famous haunting comes in. Okay. Last, like, this is uh, also from the Lumber Baron Inn website. Alas, like many historic buildings, the mansion passed through a number of hands through the decades until it finally was nothing more than a rundown tenement building. It was during this time that a terrible event occurred, the murder of two young women, Kara Lee Nock, who was 17 mm. she had just turned 17 Ugh. two days before her murder was renting what is now known as the valentine suite when she was raped and strangled by an unknown assailant Kara's friend marianne weaver who was 18 is believed to have stopped by the apartment to visit her while the killer was still there weaver unfortunately met the same fate and was sco- discovered dead in the apartment by a gunshot wound oh Sometime in the mid to late, and I'm going to go into some detail about this. I I uncovered some details here. Sometime in the mid to late 1900s, the home was turned into an apartment building and held 23 different units for renters. So this is where I got the 23. So some some number between, right? Right. (laughs) 13 to 23. It was during this time that two violent murders occurred at the mansion. And this next se- section is taken from hauntedhouses.com. Ooh, yay. So there's a whole big detailed list about the haunting and about what happened in these murders. So okay. here we go. We're going to dive into this. This is going to be a long section here. 
1970, a very pretty, free-spirited ceramic artist and independent 16-year-old Kara Nock dropped out of high school and moved from the comfort of her Denver suburban home in Golden to get her own little space, all done with the consent of her parents. Her father, Richard, explained to a Denver Post crime reporter, Kirk Mitchell, who was writing an article on cold cases in Denver, October 11th, 2014. Her father, Richard, shared she was independent as all get out. It got to the point where we felt rightly or wrongly that if we didn't allow her to do so and not go along with it and not stay on good terms with her, that she might possibly run away. And then we wouldn't know where she was. So that's why they were like, you know, we should let her get her own place. Interesting. She moved into the rundown Moet Fowler Mansion, now in a scary neighborhood, paying $48 a month for a room with a roommate. How was she getting the money? Was it from the parents? I'm guessing so. Selling her ceramics? I don't know. Okay. I know. We have, I know. <laughs> I have so many thoughts. So many feelings about this. <laughs> so she paid $48 a month for a room with a roommate. She had a roommate. Okay. Um, that the present day owners, the Kellers now call the Valentine Suite. So that's where she was living in the Valentine Suite. The ballroom on the third floor was often the scene of wild drug parties oh, great. held by people <laughs> you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley and perhaps lived in some of the other rooms in the building. After going home again to celebrate her 17th birthday on Sunday, October 11th, 1970, Kara informed her family that she wanted to return to school and graduate. I know. (laughs) She planned to move out of her rented room in four days Mm. and had found a job thanks to the help of her father, who guided her to find a better living space to rent and a job to support herself. So I think the parents were trying really hard to be supportive and still be connected to her, but I get it. No, I know. know. They explained it well, but still, it's just. It's hard knowing 16, what happened. man. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, it's hard. It's hard. Why did she want to move? Anyway, okay. Keep I going. don't know. Kara was planning on going to art school after graduating high school to perfect her artistic abilities in clay. Kara had had enough living in her dingy room at the Moat so Fowler Mansion. Ugh. She learned. She's like, oh, this is not. That's not what I want to do. It's not all that it's cracked nope. up to be, right? And had learned her lesson in the realities of life. While her roommate was away in California, so her roommate was Mm. gone in California, someone had broken into her room several times using a knife and stole some of her possessions worth $280. So this wasn't a one-time thing her room has been broken into several times and lots of stuff has been stolen one wonders why the owners at the time jh fowler didn't screen his her tenants better put a stop to the wild parties in the ballroom put in a deadbolt in kara's door because her room keeps getting broken into just with a knife prying the door open right or try to put in better security all of these things could have saved Kara's life and the life of her friend, Marianne Weaver. Mm. The last time Kara spoke to her mother and her dad was the day after her Sunday birthday party. Early Monday evening, a violent man, perhaps one of her fellow renters who knew she was temporarily alone, 
was moving out soon and probably stole the stuff. So this is one theory as to oh, who okay. you know, did it. Broke into Kara's room while she was there. Despite Kara's efforts to defend herself with a kitchen knife, he brutally raped her and strangled her to death, stuffing her body under the bed. Ugh. Unfortunately, Marianne Weaver, mother of a small child, no, yep, who lived with her parents in Lakewood while going to Arapahoe Community College, stopped by around 9 p.m. No. to visit her friend Kara. Marianne walked into the murder scene while the killer rapist was still there. No. Marianne was shot in the head, execution style, and left with her hands folded over her chest, trying to point the police in thinking that these killings were the result of a drug deal gone bad. These two murderer, these Wait, two. Why, why would be a drug murder or drug deal gone bad when the. Well, because was... it was execution style. Oh, but he's trying to hide the other girl. I, I don't... That's what I'm saying. Like, she was raped, right? Yeah. So, so the that... two murders were incredibly different. Yeah. Right? Raped and strangled. Right. And then shot execution so style. So why would you, why would the police think that was a drug deal gone bad if one of them was... Well, we'll kind of get back to that. Okay. In okay. some of the theories that we get into here. Right. Okay? These two murders make quite a splash in Denver and became the front page headline in the Denver Post on October 13, 1970. Teen girls found slain in Denver apartment. And I have a picture of the headline, so we can include that in, Got it. in our, so we'll show that to you guys. And they're just beautiful girls, and it's mm. just sad. This produced a lot of unwanted publicity for J.H. Fowler, who blamed Kara for her own death and that of her friends. No, don't blame yourself. You're the building owner. Your building was not secure. True. You should not put the blame on the girls who died. Exactly. That's just chicken shit. Yeah. Uh, it's upsetting. Kara was a hippie and was the one with the wild drug parties. A lie that was not true at all. So he's just trying to pass the blame because he's... <sighs> oh, they're bad characters. They deserve it. That's terrible. Yep. No one deserves murder. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Despite all the excuses and blaming the victim strategy, J.H. Fowler shared some of the blame for their deaths eventually and had to live with that on some level. The despicable killer has never been caught. No. And this is still an open, cold case. And then we have the number okay. to call. So <gasps> any of you out there, if you have any information or have any thoughts yeah. on your own, the number to call if you have any information on the killer is the Denver Police Department at 720-913-7867. The Lumber Baron Inn and Gardens is considered to be the most haunted place in Denver. Six regular spirits now call this mansion their earthly home or place to visit. And we're going to go into those spirits. We will go back into theories as to who we think murdered these girls. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, I do want to talk about some of the other spirits that you can encounter when you're at the, the Lumber Baron Inn. So staff at the inn, former residents and visitors, have actually seen a young female apparition in the Valentine Room in the hallway and on the stairs. <gasps> so Whoa. that could be one of the girls. Yeah. The girls are very prominent 
in the building. So a lot of people get EVPs from them. Sure. It shows up in 28 Days Haunted. They're the main focus. Mm -hmm. But there are some other spirits. Uh, these two spirits have also made their presence known when they are not visible in the in their Valentine room on the central stairs and in the hallway that runs by their room. We interviewed a young couple who stayed at the Lumber Baron Inn the same night we did. They told me they heard strange noises, felt unexplained cold spots and chills, and were a bit uncomfortable about it. It is always a bit scary when a person does realize for the first time that, yes, indeed, spirits are real. There is an unseen world around us. Mm -hmm. As we come up, came up the central stairs to our room, I felt slightly dizzy and tingly, the sign I get when spirits are present and watching. Oh. I felt that when we were at the Whaley house because I was the first one up the, going up the That's stairs. That's right. You were so and excited. So, you I just know. Like booked it. I was like, I'm going up these <laughs> stairs because I wanted to see if I could feel anything. I definitely felt dizzy yeah. and lightheaded when I was going up the stairs but then once everybody got into the room I was fine yeah but when I was there all the energy kind of all came into yeah the, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. so I was pretty cool according to Kirk Mitchell's cold case article in the Denver Post mentioned above the owner Walter Keller had an encounter with a spirit one night when he was in the hallway space between the honeymoon suite and the valentine suite Ooh. squatting down as he cut tile for a shower in 1993 Walter was interviewed by Denver Post reporter L. Ashanti Jefferson. He told her of his experience. Walter felt an unseen presence standing over him, watching him work. When Walter turned around to see, no one was there, but he felt a frozen gust of wind, which made the hairs on his neck stand up. There was no reasonable explanation for this frozen gust of wind. A female apparition, sometimes dressed as a flapper. Huh, 1920s. Right. I know, 1920s. Perhaps a family member or a friend of the family who loved the 1920s party. Hmm. This female apparition has been noticed and seen in the ballroom over the years. So she's in the ballroom. Okay. And the staff member who gave us a tour told us of his experience while taking down the chairs after a play performance. He heard the sound of something moving in the back of the ballroom. Looking up, he saw a brief appearance of a woman in the back of the ballroom walking through quickly. Thinking it was his wife, he went down to see why she was up in the ballroom. He found her down in the kitchen, and she hadn't been up in the upstairs area. They were the only two in the mansion. Right. So there's an apparition of the two girls that were murdered. There's an apparition of a female sometimes dressed as a flapper in the ballroom. Mm -hmm. There is also an apparition of a black female maid. She is dressed in a uniform of an earlier era and has been seen going about her chores. So there's a black cool. female huh. maid. Uh, there's also a male apparition thought to be a family member of either the Moet. I still say it wrong. Moet? Moet. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to say it right. You're thought like to me be and, and what was it? Archaeologist and malevolent. Yeah. <laughs> Two words. Hashtag because words. <laughs> Thought to be a family member of either the Moat or Fowler family, oh. a male servant of some standing. The person who wrote the article, she thinks that it is most probably a teacher of the business school still teaching. Interesting. Did someone die there? Like, 
I don't know. So it seems like it's more of a residual. Yeah. Okay. So to me, it seems like the only intelligent hauntings are the two girls. girls. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is kind of residual because they're going about doing their daily chores or doing something that they did before. The the girl dressed as the flapper. Sure. The the maid, Mm -hmm. the male, you know, they're going about their business. They're interacting necessarily with everybody else. So this male apparition has made visible appearances in front of the living, in front of the first floor common rooms, smoking his pipe. Mm. So he's seen smoking his pipe. Residual. Yeah, residual. The living can smell the aroma of tobacco. Sometimes just the aroma of tobacco can be noticed, even if he chooses to be unseen, just to let the living know he is there. Hmm. EVP evidence videos of other forms of communication have caught some serious evidence of their presence. Cool. So these spirits have made it plain to the living that they are here, as so many people have experienced their efforts to be made known and noticed. So speaking of 28 days, I'm just diving in. In 28 Days Haunted, there were lots of things that were captured on camera. Right. Which we can talk about because if you have your skeptic pants on, although in articles and other things that I've read, the skeptic pants need to come off because it has been forensically studied Mm -hmm. to make sure that there was no foul play, that these things really did happen and they really did capture them on film. But we saw the doors of the cabinets. That's right. They opened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They opened in the ballroom. The one pendant light in the turret. It was moving. You could see all the other pendant lights. They were still, but that one was. Yeah, that was cool. So all that was captured on film. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they like to make their presence, presence known. And then they also did a lot of Estes recordings. Oh, yes. Uh, the Est- using the mm-hmm. Estes method. But that's when you use the spirit box and you just say, you have the blinders on, you have headphones on. And you say and what you, you can hear. It. You can hear. Yeah. And everybody else is asking questions. Right. And if it makes sense, then, you know, you believe it's an intelligible thing. Mm-hmm. Several paranormal groups have made contact with the two young murder victims and through EVPs have gotten the horrible tale of their murders. As we found in 28 Days Haunted, that Very happened similar, too. Yeah. But not enough clues to catch the killer's name until Spirit Paranormal did two investigations, one in 2011 and one in October 19th, oh, 2012. So over 20 years ago, this happened. Or 10 years ago, sorry. Right. Like Hashtag because math. <laughs> we got math. Right. So 10 years ago, they yeah. got names. Oh. Um, I don't know what the name was, but, but at both, it. they captured the full name of the killer said by multiple spirit voices. All the spirits who stayed there chimed in to set the record straight, wanting this creep to be brought to justice, knowing the name of this killer is a start, but finding the proof to convict is still something standing in the way of justice. So did, I wonder if they did any research on it then of finding that name, right? Right. So we have the name that was given to us 10 years ago, yeah. but we just it's can't still do unsolved. anything. They, they, they don't have a way to link. Mm. They need more than just a name from sure. spirits. So they need um, But I wonder if this kind. name lived there. Like, did, do we even know? I mean... I don't know what the name is. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't listed in this. So frustrating. Spirit Paranormal reported it on their Facebook page on October 20th, 2012. Another unbelievable event at the Lumber Baron Inn last night, folks. If I was not there to see this in person, I would not have believed it. 
For the second straight year, we received the same name of the killer from the oh. unsolved 1970 double murder on the ITC device. The exact same name said multiple times by several different spirit okay. voices. Okay, what is the name? It literally <laughs> gave me the chills. We also ran into several members of the cast of the TV show Ghost Detectives. Oh, another show. Right? Yes. These are, I'm telling you, these places are well researched yeah. a lot of people have been there to do a lot of different sessions mm. these are not like unknown places right they've been on multiple tv shows so we also ran into several members of the cast of the tv show ghost detectives while we were coming in so it seems we are not the only ones trying to help solve this 40 year old cold case a big yes indeed <laughs> The truth is slowly coming out, as it did in the murder of Helen Voorhees, the Brock Candy heiress. <laughs> oh, you got this. Voices of all the spirits were recorded. Many people have had experiences staying and working there. Hmm. So this was just, you know, they don't have evidence. But we do have theories as to who could be the people and I don't know what name they captured I couldn't find it no I don't know tell us people who is the killer one popular theory is Vincent Groves oh so Vincent Groves okay is a uh let me read his little stats here Vincent Groves was an American serial killer oh. who between March 1979 and July 1988 murdered at least seven girls and women in the Denver Colorado area oh. his guilt was conclusively proven in four murders with the help of DNA profi profiling in 2012 16 years after his death as a result of which his total victim count remains unknown According to the Denver Police Department, based on circumstantial evidence and the number of testimonies, Groves could have been responsible for more than 20 murders. Mm, interesting. They so don't know how Denver, many murders. Huh? But he was in high school around the time that these girls were murdered. Oh, no. Um, he had opportunity and was there. He, uh, I think, dropped out of high school at some point and was in a lot of the seedy areas he was into drugs mm -hmm. so he could have been definitely been in there. the in the drug parties yeah in the, in the upstairs he hung out with a lot of prostitutes there was also a prostitute killer i'm not sure if it's the same uh guy if he's known as the prostitute killer hmm. but um he let's see in late 1977 groves met a 17 year old jeanette baca who uh he engaged in prostitution and became her pimp oh, so he no. was very much involved in in that scene um and murdered her yikes um but he was only in high school at this point he was in high school when these murders happened so that was an idea oh okay that because he is known as a murderer they don't know how many women that right, he killed right. but he liked to go after young girls so they fit the profile sure they fit the area of, okay. of where he would have been mm -hmm. you know so they fit mm -hmm. but we don't know we're not 100 percent. we're not 100 percent. okay another exciting theory Ooh. is ted bundy what yeah what ted bundy yes I, uh, why would he i feel he, like his mo wouldn't be to shoot people though right so that doesn't fit no the, the other, other one, one does yes yeah. the other one fits so huh. I f found this on Reddit. So okay. they, there's a Reddit thread where they are posing a lot of um, 
a lot of theories and a lot of thoughts as to who killed these girls. Okay. So according to Reddit user Aaron Nobra, <laughs> I love that. Instead of Aaron Gobra, Aaron Nobra. <laughs> I love it. You go, Aaron. I love it. So Ted Bundy was around the Denver area at the time. And this is what she says. I still find this case to be very similar to the murders committed by Ted Bundy. He broke up with his initial girlfriend mm-hmm. in 1969, claims he had committed a lot more murders than the 30-something who had been identified. Right. And both girls fit his usual age range and physical features. While rape and strangulation were his usual actions, he apparently also carried a gun. What? So he could have had a gun with him and he could have uh, just decided but, to shoot her. But because it maybe surprised him. But yeah, no, that's still I, I get it. I see where they're trying to piece that together. Right. But I just don't see that happening. I don't see him being in the seedy like hotel. I don't know. Well, that wasn't his MO was to like, you know, well, so trick girls. Right. He also traveled to Colorado a lot for skiing and stayed in low-cost housing mm. due to his lack of income. Okay. So that's why, because yeah. it's low-cost housing. Sure. They're Colorado, just trying to piece skiing. that together. Yeah, they're okay. trying to piece it together. So um, this user continues to say, I think he was living in Seattle around this time, going to school and soon you dating dub. his second girlfriend. <laughs> Go, <you laughs> dub. But he traveled a lot always and had excuses for everything. Yeah, so. he did. I mean, that's kind of a fun way to like go, hey, it could have been him. It could have been him. But was that, he had a certain type too. I know we haven't talked about Ted Buddy much, but right. he had a very specific type that looked like his first girlfriend. Yeah. And these girls fit that. I guess. So. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So that's a theory that's out there. So okay. we have Vincent Groves. I think he was. That the, was a better, uh, I think when someone's living in the Denver area and you're murders are kind of centralized in that area i don't know it could have been a little bit more yeah it could have been feasible. just somebody in the building that sure. was stealing some from random drug and, person yeah. too or this is an interesting theory mm. okay so this is also from that same reddit thread okay okay so about seven and this was seven months ago oh like, wow okay about Recent. seven months ago reddit user calpine one okay. said I'm Marion's daughter. <gasps> oh, no. Right? Remember how yes. I said she had a daughter? A little baby, yeah. She had me when she was 16. Mm-hmm. I think Kara was the target. My grandmother thinks it was mob-related. What? Kara threatened the Smallbone family and was going to turn them in. So that must be a mob family sure. in Denver. I spoke to a detective about 15 years ago, and he said they didn't have that in the files. Sad thing is the officer responsible for securing the crime scene didn't. Oh, right. Come on. And he later was head of the security at Regis University and apologized profusely to my grandmother. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Mob? Mob. Wow. Yep. Mob related. But mob related, that makes that sense with the, the shooting. Execution. Yeah. But the rape but and the raping. Yeah. Choking. It no. doesn't. No, it doesn't. So... Another theory to pose in there, two okay. killers. So maybe the mob guy showed up after mm. Kara was already dead and found Marianne. the same day, same night. Yeah, hmm. maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Because the killings are so vastly different. They are. No, it, it it feels to me that it, you know, Kara was the target. And Absolutely, then she was the target. Marianne came in. Who knows Marianne and, was coming. Yeah. 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 And surprised the killer. Yeah. 
Man. Yeah. These poor girls. Though. Unsolved. Who knows? But these girls are actively trying to solve their murder and trying right. to, you know, give evidence in EVPs. Hmm. That's what I have on the history. Fun. So before we go into movie time Yay. and we see how they kind of piece together what mm -hmm. happened in movie time, let's talk about the paranormal investigators Do it. that are going to be the focus of this conversation. Okay. So again, we're going back to the cinemaholic.com. Mm -hmm. And this is where our paranormal investigators, Amy, Shane, and Ray now. As of writing, Shane Pittman is enjoying his fame as a paranormal investigator. He is one of the leading experts on the Holger Files. He is additionally a part of Searchers, a group that aims to find answers to paranormal activities. As a fan of modern technology, Shane likes to prove supernatural events using scientific methods and innovations. His goal is to uncover the secrets of the paranormal world through the latest scientific advancements. Presently, the TV star is based in the state of Georgia. On the other hand, paranormal investigator Ray Causey is a happy family man. Hmm. He is married to Lauren Causey and is a proud father to his kids. The TV personality seems to be quite a book lover and enjoys stories with the within the horror genre. He too is part of Searchers and has worked with Shane for around a decade. Unfortunately, not much is known about the current whereabouts of Amy Parks. Mm. I do have some information which I will show, share with you guys in a little bit. They did get together with Aaron Sagers, who is, we talked about him with the Den of Geeks. Mm, in yeah. the last. Aaron Sagers was brought in by Tony Sparrow, who is the, the head of Nesper. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah to to evaluate all the evidence so he wrote the article for den of geeks and he did a reunion which is on youtube it's an hour and a half long i started watching it but i didn't watch the whole thing <laughs> got it um, but you can see amy's on that so oh. you can find out more about what okay. she's doing so she's around yeah if she's around she's a sensitive and she prefers more of a private life sure so you know, but you can go that and, and we'll link that YouTube clicks, YouTube clip so you can or not clip, but the, the video, the whole video. Yeah. It's a, an hour it. and a half and you can watch and, and they talk about uh, their whole experiences. All three teams are there and they talk about all of their experience with Aaron Sagers. So we will link that YouTube clip so you guys can <laughs> I keep saying clip link that YouTube video so that you guys can watch the reunion if you so choose. If the three hours of 28 Days Haunted is not enough for you, I can give you <laughs> an hour and a half more. Fun. So that's what I have on the Lumber Baron end before nice. we dive into 28 Days Haunted. Good job. But it's a fascinating case. Mm -hmm. I feel for those two girls. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, Kara was trying to get herself out of the situation that she put herself in. She mm -hmm. was about to do it. And her life was snuffed out yep. in a horrifying way. That's so sad. And then Marianne, who was a young mother. Caught in the wrong caught time. in the wrong place. Wrong, wrong place, time. wrong time. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. It's very sad. So I really hope that they're we able need to get to, some peace. Yeah. Get some info, get some peace and get some information. And, you know, finally their souls can go to rest. But this one pulled up my heartstrings the most. Mm -hmm. Like. And, and there's and it, some things about it that were 
<laughs> yeah, we'll really talk about movie time. I don't like, and we'll yeah. talk about that in movie time. But yeah, these poor girls. Yeah, though. These poor girls, and this story needs to be solved. We yeah, need to solve it for them. So I'm gonna do my little plug here because I usually do it during story time. So if you guys have any information that you want to share about the Lumber Baron Inn or about this cold case. Or if you just want to talk to us in general, you can always email us at theominousstitch at gmail.com. If you want to see our show notes and pictures, you can go over to podbean.com. We have a webpage there and we post all of our notes and everything that we talk about for this episode and other episodes. There's also a little button you can click on to become a patron mm-hmm. if you want to help support our little podcast. We do send you guys stuff. We do patron episodes. Yeah, yeah. We love, love our patrons. And we love, love, love talking to you guys and getting to know our community. So if you want to become a patron, you can. Or if you just want to reach out to us on our email or through any of our social medias. And say hi. And say hi. We'd love to talk to you hi, guys. Kate. Hi, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Brittany. Hi, Brittany. <laughs> we love to talk to you guys. So... Now, I think we're ready to dive into movie time. Yeah. Yay, it's movie time. Okay, so here we go into movie time. So as we did last time, we're going to give a quick recap of what this team did at the Lumber Baron Inn. Okay. So Amy Parks, Shane Pittman, and Ray Causey started their 28 Days Haunted Journey with minimal information. As we know, Mm -hmm. they don't know where they're going. They fly into an airport and then they put on their blindfolds and they don't know where they're going. Mm -hmm. So this trio was unaware. They were also unaware that they were part of an experiment to prove the validity of a concept theorized by iconic paranormal investigators and Lorraine Warren. Uh, Amy is a sensitive, which is kind of like a psychic, but she didn't quite say that she was a psychic. She says she picks up on the energy and can kind of tell what's going on based on the energy, how it affects her, how it makes her feel, Mm -hmm. Uh, which means she is more susceptible to paranormal energies than others. So that's what she says a sensitive is. On the other hand, Shane Pittman and Ray Causey entered the inn as paranormal investigators who had trained four years to connect with the spiritual world. As soon as the trio entered the Lumber Baron Inn, Amy proclaimed that she felt a violent male presence in the house. The team felt spiritual energy in her and Shane's room. The former named Valentine Sweet. So I think she was staying in the Valentine Sweet? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. During the initial days within the property, the group connected with the spirits of the two of two women, Kara and Marianne, who were murdered in Amy's room, a.k.a. the Valentine Suite. The team thought they were dealing with the spirits of the two women as well as a malevolent spirit that was determined not to let them go to the bottom of the story. So they were... When you go into the basement, there was this other little mm, scary, creepy room, room right? ever. Oh, my God. I would never go in there. It apparently kept blocking the female entities and even resorted to physical interactions with the investigators. Moreover, they had discovered a tunnel in the basement of the inn where they felt an unpleasant pressure but couldn't uncover much else. Stuck on what to do, Shane and Ray asked Amy to try mirror scrying, yet she refused 
as the procedure was too dangerous she was for a sensitive. Very adamant not to do that. Yeah. Which good for her. Stand your ground. Don't let two guys push you around. Yeah. They did address this and I, I listened to this part of the the reunion where they were like, Yes, we got along great. They were mm. great friends. They got along great. This was just one moment. But they focused but they, on it for Netflix. They, Netflix focused on They're it. They're like, oh, drama. drama. Let's put yeah. this in. Let's make yeah, this Yeah, because really they big. had one little disagreement. It was stupid. But to them, they <laughs> felt it was a very minor, minor, yeah, simple little disagreement. They were but just they like, they had to Meh. focus on the drama to make more ratings. So, yeah, exactly. But anytime anybody felt uncomfortable during the Estes session where we saw, um, uh, I think it was Ray. We saw him like, I, I'm uncomfortable. As soon as anybody felt uncomfortable, they would immediately right. stop. Yeah. So, you know, it was the same kind of a thing where they were like, can you mirror scry? And she's like, no, I, that's, she too was not, for yeah, me. she did not want to do and it. And it was a quick little conversation that Netflix really, they pulled yeah. out big time. That so, made me yeah. upset. After some initial argument, the group ultimately settled on Amy performing a candle scrying. So that was a compromise, which mm -hmm. I'm sure the whole conversation took maybe five or five sure. or 10 minutes. Yeah. But they known they stretched it out, stretched it out. Just as Amy started to uncover something more, she was physically attacked by the malevolent entity. This motivated Shane to explore his latent psychic abilities. Oh, Shane! Okay. <laughs> oh, see, he was Not right. You no, were right, but okay. I felt like in that part she wasn't physically attacked. Like it didn't seem like she was. She just like I think something touched her shoulder. I thought. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She felt something <laughs> touch her, and she's like, "Nope, I'm no, done." No. And I'm I get that, no, but yeah. not physically attacked. Yeah. Uh, okay. Keep going. I well, you know. Yeah. Drama. Drama. Right. So Shane explored. Shane decided to explore his latent psychic abilities through a sensory deprivation tank. Yeah. Right. So he was outside spooky. doing that. Yeah. Right. Oh. I wouldn't want to do that. That's like I a, don't think I want to Stranger Things. Right. Like. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> During the process, he claimed to see a vision of Marianne's last moments before a man killed her. Shane even got the feeling that the two girls were not the only victims of the killer. Mm -hmm. The trio then decided to hold a seance where they invited the girls to communicate with them. The spirits communicated that the investigators had to look below and see what was in front of them. The trio then went back to the tunnel in the basement where they discovered newspaper clippings of more crimes against women. The group realized that whoever killed Karen Marianne was a serial killer, though many of his crimes were never uncovered. The trio concluded that the two females wanted the world to be aware of the true evil of their killer, and they were now happy that the truth had finally come out. Hmm. So that's a quick recap of what happened. Quick recap. There's a lot to that, but that's okay. Yeah, it was a lot. They had a lot going on. This was probably my favorite investigation because I liked hmm. I liked the Estes method. I that think was it's pretty really crazy cool. how they did that and how yeah. they did it together. Remember yeah, that part. Yeah, that was a little spooky because they were coming out with words and things that were matched and it was answering questions right? and right. That was spooky. So it's my favorite. Anytime I see an investigative team use that method to mm -hmm. me, it feels pretty authentic because I'm like, how are they? Mm -hmm. They don't know. They don't, they can't hear each other because of, you know, they have the spirit box, which is crazy loud right. on and their, their headphones, heads yeah. and they're just saying whatever comes out. Mm -hmm. And so they, Obviously, you can't hear what other people are saying around you. So mm -hmm. 
I think that's a really cool method. Right. Yeah. It was just, it was so cheesy because the way they produced it, like, all my psychic abilities are coming through and, and you know. Yeah. And- they made it super <laughs> dramatic. They really did. And, but there were, there were scenes in there. It was that really were cheesy so at the end. They're like, ooh, we found this newspaper clipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That to me feels like it was planted, just like how you yes. felt like the pentagram was planted. Yes. That newspaper article he was felt down planted. Here. Oh, he was. This is how he escaped. Yeah. This is how oh, he got tunnel. in and out. Yeah. And as we know, there was no security on the building. So he yeah. walked in and out, no big deal. Sure. And nobody cared. He could have gone through the front door. Yeah. That's what was, that was crazy, but. Yeah. So. No, it was kind of cool to see that. But yeah, who who doesn't look at a manhole? I'm sure the city of Denver was like, no, that manhole needs to be, you know. But for the purposes of filming, I'm sure like, oh, let's let's let that keep it open. Yeah, let's do that. OK. Yeah. You know, you yeah. never know. I just I can't. It's hard to believe again. Skeptic so again, pants. Netflix, we're yes. putting on our skeptic pants because there was a lot of things that felt overly produced. Yeah, because they needed to fit it in these tiny boxes of these different episodes you know yeah so that fight like you're saying just felt so overdramatic and like it was an actual fight and they just hated each other yeah and, and that was during the episode where they were showing all the teams like falling but, apart yeah, and yeah and that was apart, the, what wasn't that know. the episode name like nope or something or I, something get like out, that gotta get yeah. out yeah yeah it was dumb where so. everyone's like i can't do this anymore yes, yeah. and <laughs> we can't be a team together and people are crying and people are going to the hospital yep. and yeah so <laughs> Which we'll get to that eventually. But yeah. yeah. But no, this team seemed like they were genuinely trying to do a lot, which was kind of fun. So, but, and the true story, the true crime of it is just in, in bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. So, I liked it. So that I, part. Yeah. I, I like, yeah, I like it. I don't like the overproduced part. Yeah. The, the doors opening and the pendant light moving. Yeah. That was crazy. That was crazy. And I'm glad that that was debunked on that Seat Geek or not Seat Geek. <laughs> Den, Den of Geeks article. <laughs> In that Den of Geeks article, they debunked that. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's unexplained. We don't know why those doors opened and we don't know why that light was swinging. And spooky. We saw her get touched. We saw her big reaction mm-hmm. that felt very real. Mm-hmm. And I like the way that this team went about investigating. They felt really authentic. It felt real to me and the point the the fact that you said she was shoved under the bed right yes that was spooky i mean again they could have done some research but the fact in the reenactment you know she was always under the bed yeah they had that ghostly woman just go and she's under the bed (laughs) but they get they kept getting their like their legs and shins touched touched from under the bed yeah Mm, so the girls are grabbing under the bed Yeah. yeah so yeah but poor girls yeah. So Lumberbarian Inn yeah, definitely go haunted. Tell your sister. Yeah, I will. Yeah. My sister lives in Denver. Go do so. the bed and breakfast. Yeah, we'll go there for the bed and breakfast. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> okay. Well, good job. Thank you. Yeah. So that's, we have one more of the 28 Days Woo-hoo, Haunted part series. Three. Yeah, part three coming your way next time. Yep. So until then, we'll see you, Stitchers. See you, Stitchers. Stitchers.